This was not the will of God. It was evil. That most thought would never reach our shores. And it was a manifestation of evil that sent a ripple right around the globe. Within a couple of hours, Fox News in the US were reporting it. And so tomorrow we'll all walk back into the marketplace. We'll all walk back into our schools. We'll all walk back into our communities. And for some of us, we're going to come across Muslim colleagues who have been affected by this. We're going to come across people who now live in fear because of what happened on that day. And so at the end of this service, uh, we're going to take a minute to pray for those people, to pray for that community, as fellow human beings. without the flags, without our differences. You know, events like this always make us stop and, and put things that was among those killed. But it puts things in perspective for friends and family and relationships. It gives us the opportunity to put things in perspective with our children. And it's also a reminder of the evil that's in the world. And not just talking about the event that took place on Friday, but the evil events that are taking place daily in society. The child abuse, the substance abuse, the domestic violence, the ones that are often ignored and not talked about much. And it's a shame that it takes a big event like this for us to remember those things. And so this morning I want to share some thoughts with you on, you know, how do we respond as Christians to something like that? How do we respond when we walk back into the marketplace? The Muslim community in my job at Westcon, I think they're the biggest community in that marketplace, closely followed by Christians. And so even in preparing this, I'm like, God, how do I minister to them? How do we respond after such events? Uh, as Christians, to those who are hurting around us, to those who have questions and who are angry. And I want to share some thoughts this morning in a message that I've just simply titled, Being Salt and Light in Darkness. Is that all right? Uh, it's, uh, so I told the elders about this yesterday at about 11.30. Um, and they, what's that? In the morning. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit raw, probably less prepared than any other message uh, that I'd bring. Uh, but as I mentioned, as I sat down yesterday to, to prepare for the message I was going to bring, I felt that uh, it was appropriate to bring something different. Uh, 
And you know, it's a message that is relevant for any Sunday morning. But more so today as our nation deals with one of the darkest hours in its history. And so before I do that, let's, um, let's pray. Because I need it, and if I need it, then you guys are probably going to need it too. Filter stuff. But let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of love. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are all-powerful. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your love is unconditional. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace and for your mercy. And so this morning, I pray, Father God, that as we, uh, Lord, as we enter into your word, uh, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us individually by your Holy Spirit. Father, that whatever we're dealing with on a personal level, Father, whatever hurts and pains we're dealing with in our own lives, Lord, that you would minister into those by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use me this morning, Father, to speak uh, your truth. Lord, that you would use me this morning to honor you and to fulfill your will and your purpose in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as you can imagine, this was a pretty tricky one to kind of sit down and go through uh, the day before getting up to preach it. Um, And uh, what what I want to be kind of clear on is that You know, I've mentioned the tragedy that's happened in Christchurch, but we're not going to bring any focus to those people involved in that. Uh, We're not going to bring any particular focus uh, to that event uh, itself. But we're going to bring focus to the reality of evil that surrounds us every day. And my hope is that in bringing a focus to that, we'll be able to, to learn how to move forward and how to respond to the events like the one we saw uh, on Friday. And uh, once I'd had a chance to kind of sit down and think about it uh, a little bit, there was one word that in its fullness answered three questions uh, that I wanted to address this morning. And those three questions are, why did these tragedies happen? The curly one, why does God allow them to happen? And then finally, what can I do in light? Uh, What can I do to be a light in times of darkness? Uh, And I apologize for not having a PowerPoint. Uh, I just didn't get around to doing it this time around. Um, But I'm more than happy to fire out the notes to anyone who wants to uh, reread them and have a look at those uh, after today. And so uh, one word that in its fullness, I believe, answered that question. And some of you probably guessed what that word is already, Um, but that one word is love. Write this down if you're taking notes. God is love. Such an important fact for us to remember. That God is love and he loves every person in his creation. no matter what they've done. You know, in 1 John 8, uh, 4, verse 8, 
We read, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And now this love is not just a feeling of love or, or a shallow kind of uh, grasping at love. And uh, the problem that we have with the word love in the English language is that we have this one word, love, which is used to describe four unique forms of love that have been translated out of the Bible. The first one is agape love. It's the highest of the four types of love. It defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for mankind. God's love for mankind, for all mankind. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, it's sacrificial. It's pure, and it's the divine love that comes from God. The second love is the phileo, phileo love, which is a type of intimate love that uh, Christians in the Bible used for their relationships to one another. It was a powerful emotional bond in deep friendship. Storge love describes a family love, and so it's that affectionate love that uh, a mother and a father and daughters and you know all those family people brother and sister have for one another uh, and have for each other. And then there's eros, love, which is the sensual, romantic love. And so when it says that God is love, it encompasses all those aspects of the meaning of the word. It's an intimate relationship. It's an intimate and it's a deep love. Now, Ravi Zacharias is a, a well-known apologetics speaker, and he states that the supreme ethic, the supreme moral principle that God gives us is love. It would make sense since Jesus gives that to us in the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love others as ourselves. Now, it's that love that is fully expressed in and through those definitions that we just had above. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3, it reads, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanning cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This deep sense of love this deep sense of God's unconditional love for us, that sense of intimate love which is shared between friends, and that deep love which is shared with family. That's the kind of love that places value on people. That's the kind of love that places value on life. And the world is a broken, sinful, and dark place. And without God's love, 
without God's hope, without God's redemption in people's lives. Some people are just going to get lost in their meaningless. They're going to get lost in hopelessness. They're going to get lost in hate. They're going to get lost uh, in their thoughts and in their minds and in their direction. That then manifests itself in violence and abuse towards themselves and others if left unchecked. God is love. Now, the hardest question I always have uh, when we have events like this is why does God allow these senseless acts to happen? Anyone asked that question before? Anyone ever wonder? It's a tough question. Do you know, I'm not an expert theologian by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm not an expert scholar on that matter. But here's what I have to offer you this morning, and I hope that it's helpful. Because I've asked that question. Does God see what's happening? He is an omniscient God. He is all-knowing. Say yes. Can God stop tragedies from happening? He is an omnipotent God. He is all-powerful. At the sound of his voice, he can do anything. Say yes. And now I've just made the question even harder to answer, haven't I? So why does God allow tragedy to happen? Here's my thought. I think that God in his love for all mankind, in his unconditional love, for all mankind, will never try to control us in our individual choices. The common answer to that question is that we live in a broken world. And bad things happen. But I think that God in his love for all mankind will never try to control us in our individual choices. You know, verse after verse in scripture demonstrates the freedom of our will that is given to us by God to choose to follow him. We, verse after verse, we hear of the freedom that we have to choose uh, to come to God, to choose to serve him, to choose to love him, to choose to let him be the guide and the leader um, of our lives. And the same freedom, that same freedom of, of will that God gives us to choose him for ourselves, that same freedom of will that we have to be willing to follow him, to love him, that same freedom of choice that has to be ours to make is the same freedom that gives men and women the choice not to follow Jesus, 
gives them the same freedom and choice not to choose agape love, brotherly love, deep love. It's the same freedom and choice that gives them the, the will to choose to fill their mind with evil thoughts, with the things of this world and not of the things of God. It's the same freedom of choice that gives people the, the, the free will to choose to hate, the free will to choose to do violence, the free will to choose to love their neighbor or not, to value life or not. And God, in his infinite love, as heartbreaking as tragedy is to him. I believe allows these things to happen because of his love for mankind, because he is not a controlling God. Because God will wait to the very last minute of any, anyone's life for them to choose to repent of their sin and follow him. And if it's coerced, if it's manipulated, then the choice is not free. And if the choice is not free, then the choice is not love. It's a freedom that we have because God loves mankind too much, too much to control any individual's actions. Why things happen the way they do uh, doesn't always make sense. Doesn't always make sense to us and it isn't always fair. But Psalm 18, verse 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. If he's an all knowing God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven, and he is a shield to all who trust. In him. And so as we continue to put our trust and faith in God, in God's love, then we can begin to be the salt and light to the world by secondly this morning, sharing God's love. Second point, sharing God's love. Love. You know, in 1 John we read how God shows his love for us. See, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him.
sense of God's love for us. Now, there was a visiting lecturer by the name of Andrew White who came to uh, Laidlaw to speak uh, last November. And uh, the topic that he spoke on was how should we as Christians respond to terrorism? Now, he was based in Iraq where uh, he had been kidnapped uh, a number of times and had seen some horrific things which he talked about in his lecture uh, that took place. And as a Christian, he's uh, worked hard at reaching out and loving the offenders. You know, it's always hard to think of that concept of how God loves even the offenders. And so he used to reach out and, uh, you know, he used to reach out to the likes um, of terrorist groups, some of whom uh, threatened to take his life when he invited them around for dinner. So that's always an interesting thing. Invite someone around for dinner and they threaten your life. Uh, A dinner he said he never had because he knew the people and he knew that they weren't joking. And in his sharing about this, He reminded us that the victims need prayer too. As well as the offenders. Is it possible that God could turn around the life of someone who's been consumed by evil? You know, as Christians, it's not our job to judge their sentence. God has placed authorities in government to do that. But he reminded us that it was our job to pray for everyone involved. In Romans 12, verse 17 to 21, we read, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so he concluded that all we really can do is to pray for everyone involved in those circumstances to share God's love with them. And where it is possible to get people help. Now, Matthew 22, verse 39, Jesus commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to a certain degree, uh, you know, we naturally uh, care for ourselves. Everyone feels that, right? We naturally care for ourselves. To a certain degree, we love ourselves, or at least I hope we love ourselves. 
be a pretty hard life living with yourself if you don't love yourself, really. And we want the best for ourselves. And Jesus here is telling us to be just as concerned and caring for the welfare and the lives of others. To care for them, pray for them, to be kind to them. And so as we become light and salt in darkness by sharing God's love with people. Things change. God is love. We respond by sharing God's love. And finally this morning in remembering that God is love and in sharing God's love, the greatest hope we carry is that as we share with the people around us, the greatest hope we have is that God will transform hate and brokenness into love. What an incredible hope. Now we serve the God of restoration. We serve the God of reconciliation. A healing God. He's a righteous God, and He is just. He's a God of hope. He's the God of the broken and the brokenhearted, and He is a God of transformation. Who can transform hate and brokenness into love. Now in Romans 12, we read, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I want to encourage you this morning, protect your thoughts. Protect the thoughts of your children and your grandchildren. Let your thoughts be filled with the things of God, with God's love and God's grace, His mercy, with His goodness, His righteousness, His faithfulness, and not with the greed and the lust and the violence and the power that the world glorifies today. In Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So as we reach out to our Muslim neighbors, as we reach out to the city of Christchurch in prayer to offer comfort and support and a hand of peace, 
And as we seek as a nation to find the words to draw us together, as kingdom people, let's look to share God's love in a practical way. And pray for the Holy Spirit to move upon our nation in power to bring comfort, to bring his peace, to bring his hope, to bring his reconciliation. Our response to this evil and to the evil that is in this world is to try and bring about God's goodness and righteousness through the sharing of his love. And so in closing this morning, we're gonna take a few minutes to pray. And then we're gonna take a minute just to be silent and remember the lives that were taken. I'm just gonna have you pray where you're seated. And one at a time, I'm gonna give you four points that we're gonna pray for. We're gonna pray for those who are injured and still in hospital. We're gonna pray for the family and friends of all who are affected. We're gonna pray for the Muslim community in Christchurch in New Zealand. We're gonna pray for the police, for the doctors, the nurses, and the intelligence services that are still working to pierce, piece everything together. close in prayer praying for you and so I'm just going to read those out again and one by one we're just going to take a few seconds just where you are you pray and then at the end I'll wrap up but let's just pray for those now who are still in hospital
Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a minute to pray for the families and friends of all those who have been affected. some of them live in fear this day and so Lord we pray that you would surround them with your love Father God we pray Lord that they find and discover perfect love that casts out all fear Lord that they find and discover you in this moment services that are still working down there now. Thank you, Lord, for all our emergency services down in Christchurch. Father, for uh, the police in their swift work, Father God, to contain things before another attack was able to happen. Father, we pray that even now as they uh, continue to go into uh, those places and continue to protect uh, other areas of New Zealand, Father, we just pray, Lord, that 
Lord, that you will just give them strength. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, just allow them to, Lord, just sense your peace. Lord, we pray that you would, in all things, bring about just a sense of your incredible love.